Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Samuel Rook. Liga has got a little needy after the winter break, giving us a midweek treat some of us weren't quite ready for. But uh, a look at the games that we had uh, over Tuesday and Wednesday and the ones ahead after the latest headlines. Bordeaux sank back to their recent form, at least, as they were beaten 2-0 at home to Caen. Newman Paul Bice saw red before Ivan Santini and Ronnie Rodlan netted for the Normandy club, with the Brazilian players for Les Girondins, including Malcolm, facing disciplinary action by the club after seemingly joking and laughing in an online video after the game. Also in Bordeaux news, Jocelyn Govenek has lost his job today. Um, they have provisionally suspended him in the lieu of sacking him. And also club captain Jeremy Toulolon has been released four months earlier of the end of his contract. Rumours that he might have been upset with the Brazilian players. Elsewhere on Tuesday, Monaco rose to Marseille, apologies, rose to third as Dimitri Payet netted a superb goal in their 2 0 win over Strasbourg. As Alexandra Okudja needed to be stretched off after the Frenchman's dazzling footwork. And in the second Cote d'Azur derby in just over a week, Monaco left it late to earn a point against Nice. The away side came from a goal behind to make it 2-1 before Falcao snuck in to even things up. But there were just some more good news, at least for Lucien Favre's men, as Willan Cyprian made his first start since March. On Wednesday, Leon rose to second with a 2-0 win over Gangomp as Nabil Fakir grabbed his 15th goal of the season, while Angers needed an unlikely brace from Roman Thoma to see off Trois 3-1. Rennes left it very late to turn it completely around in Lille with a 2-1 win, while both Amiens against Montpellier and Nantes at Toulouse finished with one-all draws. In the final match of the round, Paris Saint-Germain recorded their highest win at home history in, with a 8-0 thrashing. Uh, Neymar grabbed four in a fabulous display that was somewhat marred by not allowing Edison Cavani to take the penalty that would have seen the Uruguayan stand alone as the club's record top scorer. And that's all for now. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that big news from Bordeaux with Govanek finally sacked. It seems like for a while he was teetering on the edge, the real uh, struggle of no wins in 10. There was that big cup loss with several red cards in it. It was surprising he didn't go then. He maybe had a small salvo with a win at the weekend, but that result against Caen has finally seen his head roll. Uh, Adam, it's a little bit sad because we all think that Govanek is a, a talented young manager, but this... Just feels like it was the right decision in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I, I have to agree with those sentiments there, Nathan. I think, I, as with many people that, that watch a lot of French football, Gorvenek is is well respected and did an absolutely unbelievable job with Gangon winning the winning cup and getting into the knockout stage of Europa League for such a small team. That's it was unbelievable. And you know, he's he's forty five. I think he's in his mid forties, so he's still got a long way to go in his career. But I really feel like this had, this reign at Bordeaux has had a long time ago had kind of fallen off fallen off the rails and it's, it's, it's really unfortunate but it, ha it has to be the right decision because it, it just became his position became untenable really 
uh, for me, a little while ago, before this lost lost to Caen last well, last night or the night before, he um he, he was I was amazed he was still in a job before Christmas. Um, but given this given this Bordeaux side, uh, uh, on paper, are such a talented team, and you know we're expected to be top five, top six, even challenging above that, really, given how you know how well they recruited and you know players like Malcolm kicking on this year and. And, and a number of other things. They're expected to be, you know, at the opposite end of the table, but to be struggling uh, in a relegation fight, really. We've, we've since that PSG defeat where they lost six two and a five 0 down within sort of half an hour or so. Since then, they've just been absolutely terrible. The defence is has been completely AWOL. Um, moving Jeremy Tuan on back to to to, to defence midfield probably came a bit late, but they had kind of had no choice but to play in defence because they completely porous there. And and Govanek, hadn't been able to cajole his team into into something that looked like a, a stable and competent display. They were just all over the place. So I, I'm 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 not surprised he's gone. And the only thing for me that's that's even mildly you know shocking is that perhaps he didn't go sooner. I, I wouldn't necessarily blame him outright, as we'll get on to discuss in a minute. I think there's probably a lot of factors that went against him. And you know, a fair play to the to the Bordeaux uh, to Stefan Martin, who's a relatively new chairman at Bordeaux, president of Bordeaux, for sticking with him and and saying that it, you know it's not his fault and we, we need to look at other things, which I think is true as well. But because um, again, some of the performances from some of the players have been terrible. Um, but I, as I said, it was untenable, and I'm not surprised that after that after that mini revival at Twilight the weekend, you thought maybe he's got a chance. But given the performance last night, I think yeah, fair enough, and it's the best decision for all concerned, I think. Yeah, and it's Eric Bouda Bedaway who's going to be taking temporary charge. And the current mm. surprising favourite is former Club Rouge boss, uh, Michel Proudhomme. Um, so that'll be an interesting appointment, a bit of a one from left field. But let's talk about that sort of disharmony. And it was briefly mentioned in the in the news, Sam, of, of obviously Jeremy Tulalan has left um, this evening as well. Um, he His contract ends in the summer, but he's decided to end it early. It was a mutual decision, um, according to the club. But there are rumours that with this video that we saw last night of the of the Brazilian players having a bit of a joke with a, with a couple of female friends after the game, it's not the greatest look in the first place, but there was a report of tensions between him and those kind of players that seem to be almost taking over the dressing room in some way. Um, and I do stress those are reports. That's not absolute fact, we're saying. But those kind of things, I always think there's no smoke without fire. Does that feel like maybe that's what's led to, to Bordeaux's uh, collapse? Uh, I think there's a lot to to unpick in this this whole thing. I mean, we we've said that you know since the summer when there was very high expectations and it just really hasn't delivered. But the the video this week, the the Brazilians having a laugh outside the stadium, bit silly, not the biggest deal in the world. But obviously, Bordeaux didn't react very well, and Toulalong, uh choosing to walk uh, with the manager. Uh, the the West French newspaper they uh, they've said this is a, a movement that says a lot. His departure says a lot that he's a, a guy of, of real principle, really stands by what he believes in. Uh, they've really sort of gone in on the idea that he didn't believe this was the right move for the club to to sack the manager and that the club has not stood with the right guys. And I think it all sort of comes together in that this issue with the Brazilian players, I think your, your comment, no smoke without fire, is probably just about right. 
Yeah, it feels like that this maybe has been bubbling under the surface under this sort of barren run. And um, we were talking about some transfer deals that were on on uh, on Monday's show, and I, I do feel a little bit sorry for Rich at the moment now, thinking that he said Paul Bai sounds like a, a an an interesting signing with his league and experience. But uh, <laughs> Adam, it feels like they they're replacing the incredibly slow Tulalan with a potentially even slower player in Bice, and he's he's not got off to the greatest start because he's been sent off as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I, 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 I would hold hold reserve judgment on Paul Base to, just for now. I, I agree that the one thing that Bordeaux, you know, you would have hoped they would have looked for in a new centre back was pace. Given that, you know, when you look at their backline, Tulalon obviously is extremely slow, um, and Jovanovic isn't quick. Luchuk's thirty two and not quick either. Pablo returning from Brazil hasn't played yet, of course, but he's not quick either. They needed they needed a a, a bit more you know, speed at the back. And, and that was that was a bit of an obvious and simple, you know, thing to to request, but it, they needed it. And, and they didn't really get it with, with Paul Base. But <clears throat> I think what Paul Base at the time of the signing would have, you know, Gorbett would have thought that perhaps he wanted to move Toulon back to midfield because his defence, you know, being in defence wasn't working and he could kind of, you know, be a placeholder for Toulon and he could put him back in midfield where Toulon could have an influence. But obviously the, that's out the window of Gorbett gone and Toulon gone as well. I do think that, will turn into like a relatively good signing for them given how good he was at Nice he's actually been okay at Malaga as well although perhaps not he didn't really carry his Nice form over over there but uh, Paul Bass does have a league and experience and, and in this league pace for, for, for as, as an individual if he as long as he's got someone alongside him which you know they possibly haven't found yet but if, if he has a partner who can who can fill the fill the gaps with, with their pace then I think he'll be a sort of a very a very strong centre back for them, so it's not it's not too bad of a signing. But given the mess that they've been left with now, like uh, it, it's they just looks they look like they're completely decimated without too long without Gorvenek. Um, I, I would just wanted to address the the Pradom thing. I, I think that's a really interesting signing. I know he did uh, if they do actually sign him as manager. Um, he was he was good at Bruges and is sort of renowned as a leader. Um, and you know a lot of his assistants in Belgium have gone on to manage other Belgian teams. And you know, he with him as their mentor, and that's the kind of manager Bordeaux need. They need a state a stabilizing presence, someone who is going to lead this club in the right direction. Because although Gorvenek is a talented young guy and a talented young manager, perhaps he hasn't had any experience of having to do that necessarily at a big club. Like he's brilliant with Gangon, but it's a very different kettle of fish with them. Um, and what he did there, although brilliant as it was. So perhaps if they do sign Pradam, who Who's, who's relatively good with Twente as well as in German Holland. That could be quite a left field, yes, but quite a you know an astute managerial signing if they do end up getting it. Yeah, that would be an interesting one, really. They do maybe need a bit more of a authoritarian, really, if uh, yeah. the youngsters are running a, a little bit wild at the moment. At least. <laughs> um, let's talk about the the big result, really, of this midweek round of fixtures, and it is that Paris Saint Germain win, Sam. It was a superb game for the for the hosts. From minute one to minute ninety, they were really on top of a Dijon side that it always felt like they might be like that against a big team that they might be a bit too gung ho, and it proved to be. And it was start with the positives at least. Um, I said what well, I felt like during this game. This felt like Neymar's kind of Messi esque performance. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, four goals and two assists. One of those assists could have just about almost been a goal if Di Maria hadn't nipped in there. Um, just astonishing. I mean, the the third goal before the penalty, the the weaving run from from the sideline on halfway, just 
cutting through practically the entire Dijon uh, defense and midfield. It, it was just absurd. That was that was, I think, what PSG fans were dreaming of when when this signing first was rumored. With performances like that, it was absolutely astonishing. Just tear teams apart, untouchable, unstoppable. A free kick, a penalty, everything, everything you could ask for from Neymar, right up until the penalty when there was that little bit of drama. A little bit of drama, it seems, again. For those who haven't already seen it, I mean, they're already... Well, it was 5-0 by the time of the penalty, wasn't it? Or was, six, was it 6? I can't quite remember. It was, there was a lot of goals last night. <laughs> That's all that matters. It was enough to say that Neymar has already bagged his hat-trick. He grabs the ball. Everyone's chanting Cavani's name because he's scored earlier this night that, that puts him level on those 155 goals as Zlatan Ibrahimovic. The perfect opportunity to... to cap off a performance and, and give him the record. They're chanting his name. Neymar seems completely unfazed, takes the ball and uh, scores the penalty himself. Um, Adam, uh, he's got a lot of criticism for it, um, which is a little unsurprising because it was a perfect moment to him for him to sort of extend the olive branch to Cavani. But at the same time, is this, like I compared him slightly to Messi earlier, is this maybe the... Uh, Ronaldo in him that is this is now his team therefore people need to know it's his team yeah yeah I think that's a probably that's a good point and a good way to think about it I, I also my my initial reaction and, and obviously there are a lot of caveats to this I kind of almost felt like it was for the for the number of goals because I I feel like if he's going to compete which I, I still believe that that is his main objective to compete with Messi and Ronaldo not just in terms of stature and in terms of you know winning trophies and winning the Ballon d'Or, but in terms of we talk about these ridiculous stats that Messi and and Ronaldo have in terms of goals per game and numbers of goals in years and seasons. But <clears throat> I almost think that he wants to take every opportunity to to sort of to, to to sort of you know compete. And I almost felt like it was a bit it felt a bit like that. Like he he wanted more and more goals. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, he did let him take a free kick at one point. I can't remember if that was after or before the. The, the penalty decision but so maybe there was a little bit of remorse there but I, yeah I think it, it is turning into uh, Eric made a you know an interesting point today Eric Devin of, 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 of you know of this parish uh, who and I, he and I write for write our weekly piece for the Guardian he was saying that you know it, it's a little bit about him and you know that it, he is the project rather than you know the team and, and it does kind of feel like he said you know PSG are now my team, like Messi's Barcelona and Messi's team, the Real Madrid are Ronaldo's team. This is now my kingdom, and this is this is my situation, and that it did smack of that a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I do, I do would would like to think that, despite that rather unfortunate ending to the game, it was actually the eighth goal. Looking at it now, the the last goal they scored, um, that we should do our best to celebrate how good Neymar was last night, and that he plays in Ligue 1, and and that you know he he is a an unbelievably talented footballer and was genuinely fantastic last night. Not not just in the way that he was against Toulouse, which he was very good at the beginning of his PSG spell and the way he has in a couple of games, but he was on another level entirely last night. He was absolutely outstanding. So it would be I, although there is criticism and just criticism, of course, from him not giving that penalty to Cavani, and uh, I, I'm still surprised that he didn't, to be honest. But I still think we should try and focus on the fact as well as that, that he is an unbelievably talented footballer. He plays in France, which is fantastic. Yeah, and it's a strange one, really, isn't it? I mean, Neymar was 
absolutely superb. And I also feel that on these kind of scenarios, and, and similar to when other players have tried to pick the ball off others, uh, maybe at the moment, at least anyway, uh, Neymar's the designated penalty taker, which it seemed like because he grabbed the ball straight away. No one's really had an argument with him to give the ball away. Maybe that's just the instruction from the management that the uh, the designated penalty taker takes the penalties. But it would have been it'd have been nice, at least anyway, for for Neymar to think of uh, others for once. But uh, chance will be a fine thing, won't it? Unfortunately, um, let's move on to teams below them, at least now or just below them, and it, an important result for Nice, but not a great one again for Monaco. They've sort of slowly, slowly crept out of the winter break at the moment, and they got really lucky in the end on this one. Uh, Sam, even the goal was a little bit lucky because they take a quick free kick, although well within the rules, it surprises Nice. They were a little bit unfortunate with the first goal as well. It's possibly even taken two handballs and then gone into the net. Um, And they were really, really poor in the second half and allowed Nice to to get back into it and really take a stranglehold on this. They were really lucky to come out with a draw in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the handballs you mentioned for the first goal, uh, after the the quick free kick, the goalkeeper spilled it for Falcao to to, to put away the equaliser. They they looked very, very poor, surprisingly poor. And they've not dropped a lot of points recently, but just coming out of the international break with these two draws now, Montpellier away, yes, fine, that's maybe a, a tricky game. This one, I suppose, as well, Nice, Derby, but back-to-back dropping these important points while the teams around them are winning, dropping from second now to fourth. That's a big deal. I mean, they're now out of the Champions League places as it stands, and that's just not really something that the project perhaps can sustain. If they, they don't finish in the Champions League, they don't attract the right quality of players, perhaps some of these other younger players they've brought in to develop over the longer-term players like Tielemans, perhaps they look elsewhere. It's a real problem, and it comes from some surprisingly poor performances like like last night. Yeah, and it's it's a worrying trend for them, really. Um, Adam, and it, Sam mentioned it perfectly there, that they've dropped now to fourth. They're a point behind Marseille, two behind Lyon, who do face PSG at the weekend. So there's maybe a, a chance of something, you might say, at least for, for Monaco to maybe play a bit of catch-up. But uh, a worrying trend again of... of they were in front in this one quite early on and they looked okay for the first sort of 20 minutes, but Nice didn't really have to pull themselves out of third gear really in the second half to, to really manipulate them. And in another day, there's a chance for William Cyprian when he goes through and he's maybe a little bit unfortunate. It's, it could have really been pretty ugly really in the end. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And but there, there, I think there are a, a couple of caveats there. Firstly, Nice um, have really improved of late. And it, after that really terrible start, really slow start, yeah, Lucien Farge really got them playing again, um, and and I think they'll be they won't be necessarily challenging for a top four spot, but I think they'll overtake Nantes quite comfortably by the end of the season, and they'll be causing the top four issues when they play them between now and the end of the year. And they, they do look like they've got their act together finally. So there 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 is a lot to be said for their form, um, and uh, you have to remember that last season and perhaps even before that, um, Nice have always. They, they won, they beat Monaco 4-0, I think, in the beginning of last season. So they have had Monaco's number before. I think the return leg, they lost 3-0. Falcao scored a couple of goals in that game. But they have competed and, you know, quite significantly beaten Monaco in, 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 in the recent past. So it's not overly unusual that perhaps they would, you know, have Monaco's number in, in, their, in their current guise. And I, I still think perhaps, given that we, we were hopeful for Monaco at the beginning of the season that, you know, they kept a few players, they looked like they signed well, that 
they were going to be not the team of last year, but they were going to be able to compete at least or at least keep pace with PSG. But I think it, it may be time to sort of, you know, wise up to the fact that they're not the Monaco of last year and, and they're not the team that, that was so fantastic in winning the title last year. And, and they really had their, 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 their core ripped out of them with, with Bakayoko and Silva and, and, and Mbappe going. You know, they're half the team they are. And when Falcon and Fabinho aren't on form, Obviously, and Lamar. Obviously, they're still fantastic players, but they can't. They, they haven't got. There's no one to take up the slack, and and they do significantly drop off when they're not playing at their best. Um, and and I I I just think that we're maybe we're expecting a little bit too much of Monaco these days. Given when you look at their squad, I I honestly don't think there's much between them and Lyon and and Marseille at the moment. And fourth in the league, they might be the fourth best team in the league at the moment. So that might not be you know too wrong, as it were. Um, and the signings that have come in, you know, they haven't lived up to expectations. If you look at Cater, I mean, he's done okay, but he's not been, you know, the powerful presence, you know, pace, exciting player that we thought he would be. Jovetic has barely got going at all. Um, Lope, Marcus Lopez, Ronnie Lopez has come in and, and, and done okay. Obviously, he's a low knee return, but he he, he can't fill the gap of Bernardo Silva. So, and, you know, Tielemans has been injured a lot of times, so they've been unfortunate there, but they're just not the team that they were. And, They've been unlucky in that their signings haven't entirely come off yet. So maybe we're expecting a little bit too much of them. And Nice, a team on the app, and one that the top four should keep an eye on, I think. Mm, absolutely. I, I think that it's also a factor of Monaco maybe not adapting to those losses. Mm. They're maybe trying too hard to stay to that 4 4 2 that worked so well last season. But like you mentioned, Kaita Balde, Ronnie Lopez, they don't really fit in. And, and in all honesty, that in that midweek game, they they were without Fabinho, and it really, really showed. That middle yeah. of the park is is absolutely nothing. I, I, no shame on Andorra, who's, who's still a young player and learning, but that they looked um, pretty ghastly really, in the middle, at least. And I wanted to touch on uh, one last team for this midweek round, and that's uh, Toulouse, who have dropped into or well, slipped into the drop zone over the last couple of weeks. They they've not been in uh, superb form. They managed to help Saint-Étienne break their streak at the weekend and lose. Two nil, and they needed a uh, needed saving in the very, very last minute with a penalty for Gradel against uh, against Nantes. Summit. We were worried for Toulouse a while ago, and it they looked to have tested it for a bit. But again, it, now with a lot of teams below them like Lille, um, I, I'm thinking Angers as well, picking up recently as well. <sighs> Especially with Mets coming up in the background as well, and we'll talk about them in a moment. Is there real fears that Leviolet Le are really sucking themselves into a, a dangerous, dangerous uh, relegation fight now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, they, they're not 19th for no reason. They're 19th because they've been consistently poor and consistently unlucky. You can be bad and lucky or good and maybe not so lucky, but you can't be both bad and unlucky. And that's what they've been. They've, they've had chances to win games and, and failed to put them away. And then they've just had some bizarre goals go against them. And last night against Nantes, arguably they got a little bit lucky. The penalty was, was a sort of brain explosion from Tadarasano, just sort of diving in, in the 90, what, 95th, 96th minute to give away a kind of brainless penalty. And that's an extra point, but you know, they're and uh, admittedly they're only two points from safety, but you just don't know where the goals are going to come from. And, when luck goes against you, like it seems to consistently go against this Toulouse side right now, you really have to worry about them. They've been bad for a year, and we shouldn't be surprised that they're now in the relegation zone. Yeah, and they just 
really struggling on both sides of the ball this season. I mean, we talked about them being a really interesting defence and they, they've they've sort of a little bit better than some of the teams that have conceded loads. I'm thinking Dijon, but the caveat is they conceded eight last night. So that really helps sink someone's goal difference. They, they are better than some of the teams around them there, but uh, 19 goals really and a lack of creative threat. I mean, they had Dermas back last night and, uh, and they've obviously brought in Gradel over the, over the summer and he's not, he's only really slowly coming into form. But what do you think to this team at the moment, Adam? I mean, we've talked about them numerous times over the course of the first half of the season and there's so much young talent, especially in that defence. You think they should have enough going forward as well, but it's not never really quite clicked. Are you starting to worry for Dupraza's job now? Yeah, definitely. Um, as as regulations to the pod will know, I'm a big fan of Toulouse and Dupraz, Dupraz in particular. But I kind of feel that one, yes, his job is 100% under threat. Um, given the they are Bordeaux in some in some regards, you look at their team and their expectations were top half this year, and justifiably so. Um, but they're, they're second bottom, and and you, I think Dupraz is sometimes a bit too stubborn, and and it can be a really good thing. His sort of fiery, you know, pers- personality is great, but it can be his downfall too. And there are certain situations where you kind of feel that he lets his sort of stubbornness get the better of him. And like Dumas has been injured, and but I, I would be not building team around him, but I would be prioritizing Jimmy Dumas's place in the side um obviously it's very difficult when he's injured but he kind of feels like he's been a little bit on the fringes like the last three games he's come off the bench until before last night and i think that they really lack creativity and uh, dermas is the man for me looking at this team that, that can provide it and uh, sam made a really good point about them being a bit un- unlucky and, and that's definitely true like uh, in a similar way to to monaco and their signings haven't really come off either like you know you look at mbula who, who got booed last night as he was substituted um, um you, you you really do feel like that what they're trying hasn't come off and I do fear for them I, I I've made this point a number of times but they did not replace Oscar Trejo who was brilliant um since Dupres took over as an attacking midfielder the only creative player they really had um although I quite like Jan Bodiger but he never gets a game for for some reason um they're all all their midfield is sort of workman like you know ball carriers hard working players but no flair and no vision and then their strikers are all sort of quick wingers or Ola Toivonen or Andy Delors who are sort of very sort of static centre forwards so they just lack flair and creativity to create the goal it's not like Delors missing loads of chances he's just not getting any so although Guido's come in and done well I actually think he's he's been been pretty good it feels like he's trying to do it all on his own and yeah they just look a bit, they don't look in disarray but they're not far off and it, it is it is a real shame given given what a great character to is and what a great team they could be. Like you look at their, some of their players and you think in this league they could they should be top half. But I, I don't want to say they should get rid of Dupraz, but if it keeps going like this, they may have very little choice. But then who do you bring in? I don't I it's very difficult to say that they should bring in this guy or this guy. It it would be it would be a it'd be a huge risk getting rid of him. But he's definitely in trouble. It's a strange one, isn't it? That's always the the problem of being that far in the bottom. Is is that changing your manager is always a risk. It can go either mm. way, but sometimes it just takes time. I mean, it always felt like, it, and Dupras feels like there's a lot. It feels like it's always going to explode rather than anything else, really. In, in the in his case, in in fact, uh, let's talk about some of the games that are happening this weekend then, and. and starting with um, a really interesting one really on Saturday in the Monaco versus Mets because I want to start with that awaiting first because 
Mets are on, on an excellent little bit of form. Three wins out of five. Uh, an excellent 3-0 win against Saint-Étienne, which sounds a lot better than it about six months ago <laughs> than it would have done, what well, does probably does now. But no, like Rue scoring goals of anything, yeah. Sam. It's, 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 it's all flipping around. I mean, we, we mentioned they needed a goal scorer. Have they got one? Well, I mean, yeah, they're scoring goals. They they just had they had nothing for months, and it was just difficult to watch and just not a lot of fun. And all of a sudden, yeah, Nolan Roos got some goals. This is this is what we wanted. We wanted Mets to find something, and now he's got seven goals this season. He's scoring regularly. He scored against Saint Etienne, against Dijon, against Strasbourg. You know, all of a sudden, you think, well, is there a miracle? Is it on? And can he be the guy to spearhead it? Optimism is growing. Yes. Which is crazy to think, Adam. I mean, they were dead and buried for a long time of the season, but now they're only four. I know it still seems it seems like a bit of a gap, but they're seven points away from safety, uh, five points off of Toulouse now. So at least they're catching up with someone. But uh, they, seven goals now this season for Rue. They they played really well against Saint-Étienne, although, again, that's maybe saying a lot for Saint-Étienne as much as it is for Metz. But they're, they're starting to play football. They're working under Frederick Hans, who we thought was a, was a good appointment as well. Could they... With Monaco not playing particularly great at the moment, can they keep the train going? I think it's possible. I, I can see them getting a getting a getting a draw, um, given how they're playing and you know, given their sort of momentum that they're gathering. I can absolutely see it. But when we think, I think back to that pod you and I did between us, Nathan, before Christmas, and we said Mets are down, like we wrote them off, and and they had five points at that point, and then the, the last three games of the year, they won two and drew one, and suddenly you were thinking, hello. There, there could be something here, and as you said, they've had a brilliant run of form. And this Nolan Roo, this Nolan Roo situation is is ridiculous. That he's, I, 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 when they signed him, I was at a loss as to why, because he's he's of any striker I've ever seen, he has the least composure. He almost looks happier playing on the wing because he doesn't have to take the responsibility of scoring goals. And it's almost become a running a little bit of a running joking league and about his sort of wayward finishing. And you look at his goal record. And his last, his last um, double-figure league total, if you like, was in 2010 for Stab Rest. He got 15. But since then, his league, league run, is, he's got 6, 4, 5, 8, 9, 9, 9, 4. And he's got 7 this season. So he could get double figures for the first time in, 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 a, in his career in League 1 because that Stab Rest was in League 2. So uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable, really, that he's scoring goals. Um, and whether it can last is another question. He's got the rest of the season to get three goals, and I, I wouldn't put much money on that at all, to be honest. But at the moment, it's working. And you, 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 Pedro Hansen is a good manager. He said before, it's a nice appointment, um, and you know we 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 were in favour of that, and and it seems to be finally working. And you look across the team as well. You know, George Manjek back from Sparta Prague is a good good return, good signing for six months. Um, Melisovic, who's coming from Belgium again, looks like a good player. Um, Matthew Tosevi's been brilliant this season, as has Reno Coad. Both of them are very, very good players. And I've been really impressed with the 21-year-old centre-back, Musa Miyakita, who they signed from, from Ligue 2. You know, he's been, he started sort of the last sort of 25 games and played pretty much 90 minutes in all of them. And he's been really, really solid, really athletic. Looks like he reads the game really well. And I think he's been a big part of their resurgence, you know, prioritising him as their sort of first-choice centre-back. And perhaps without Milan Bisevac, who's, who was pretty terrible, he's been injured. Um, Miyakita's been by comparison, really stable. So they look like a good team at the moment. They, it's come out of nowhere. And if Rukin keeps scoring goals, you know, they, they've got a chance. Yeah, and that's all they needed. They just needed a chance, it felt like. And they just, I think in this one as well, especially, it's not just about 
keeping that ball rolling. It's not getting one of those 5-0, 6-0 hidings that you can sometimes get against those big teams. So let's start with some predictions then. Sam, what do you think in this one? Um, I Sadly, I think Mets' bubble will be a little bit burst and I'm going to say Monaco 3-1. Adam? Yeah, I, I, I agree, but I think Mets have put in a performance. So 2-1 Monaco. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Go on, Mets. Let's uh, let's make things exciting because I mean, you're looking at the bottom of the table. I mean, from if if they can catch up with the rest of them as others are dropping points, that it could be really, really crazy. Because I mean, Gangon are on 29 and Toulouse are on 20, and they are separated by 12 places, which is uh, crazy. It might become an absolute dogfight. Um, another interesting game that's coming up, um, and as you mentioned earlier, Adam, Nice are a team that's slowly growing against a Santetti inside that. Attested a route for for one game at least, but sank perfectly back into their their norm at the moment. They've got a new quote unquote manager, obviously because uh, because of issues with um, with badges and such. It is um, it is. Oh, excuse me, sorry, I'm losing the pace there. It's John Louis Gasset, I'm afraid, yeah. is is obviously the permanent manager now um, because of uh, issues with badges with the with the previous man. So he's in charge. It, it got off to a decent start, at least against uh, against uh, Toulouse at the weekend. Although again, caveats as Toulouse are Toulouse at the moment. But three mm. 0 loss to Mets, <laughs> even though they are on a little bit of a bounce. That's that's a real a bit of a hammer blow when you're going having to go away again after that to to a team like Nisa on the rise. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I was I was watching the Toulouse uh, Nantes game yesterday, and I was sort of watching the the scores come in and to see Mets tune up inside the first half. Uh, it, it, it's it's a shambles at Saint-Étienne. It really is. Um, so you, you mentioned the uh, Julian Sabler's uh, you know lack of qualifications and the club the club were being fined for having him as their manager. So John Louis Gasset kind of took over almost as default. And he's, he, they're basically managerless. So, because Gasset is a very experienced coach, but he's an assistant manager. He's, he's not really, you know, he's not really, at, he's, you know, he's very old. He's kind of, he's getting on a little bit, maybe, maybe a bit harsh, but, you know, it might be true. He, he's not really uh, the main man anymore. I and mean, he might be a very useful lieutenant, but the club lack a leader. And I don't think Gasset or Sabler were, were, were going to be that man. So I think they need a, they need an appointment as a long-term manager as soon as possible is, is the first job for them. Um, secondly, the, the side has has for a long time needed reworking. Um, obviously, the players have come in and they're not the most well-off of clubs. You know, they've competed almost above their financial sort of weight in the last sort of five years under, under Gautier. Um, and that's something that they, they will admit themselves. Um, but the, that sort of workman-like team that Gautier got so, so many good performances out of, you know, has, has sort of disintegrated this year and perhaps unsurprisingly that, that someone couldn't get the same high levels out of that team that Gautier did. Um, Jan and Vier's come in and that looks like a, a sensible signing, but again, didn't get the, get off to the best of starts last night, you know, any lasted an hour. Um, you know, Paul Jordan Tepp, you think, would be a really, really good signing given his history in the league with Wren and how fantastic he was for them, you know, been up and down at Wolfsburg, but for them, he could be really crucial. But it just feels like there's this black hole that's sucking their confidence and and their their sort of momentum over the over the course of the season. It's just gone from bad to worse since that, even before the Leon the game where they lost five 0 and then Garcia resigned. And it's it just feels like that to get back on track, something huge is going to have to happen, or they need a real personality, a real 
leader as manager because they could genuinely get relegated and and that would be a, a huge shame for the league because they're such a huge club and they're such you know a, an interesting team to to, to cover and to, to to follow but it's possible and they they kind of need to do something about it sooner rather than later or this slide is going to continue and and you know i fear for them so i i think they need a manager as soon as possible and they need to keep remolding this team a couple of good signings Nevin Subutich has been mentioned quite a lot. That would be great. Be a good partner for like Paran, um, but they need to, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, they need to get extra bits in. But but Adam mentioned him there really. So I mean, we've mentioned the real creative lack that Santetian have had for, mm. for not just this season, but possibly a few years. But is someone like Paul Jorgentep, who is on loan at the club at, for for the rest of the season at least, is he the kind of player that they need? Is he someone who can hopefully spark this uh, the Leiver side that has been so dormant so far this season? He'll have to be. I mean, they're in real trouble, and they're lucky that so many other teams are. But he's been he's had a nice run uh, in uh, with Wolfsburg, uh, not spectacular, but at least he looked decent. And obviously, previously with Wren. That was where he really showed some quality, but he's going to need to be really special uh, for San Etienne because I think the, the key word Adam used there was personality or lack thereof. This team just has nothing. It's just, there's nothing going on. There's no personality, there's no identity, at least with Christophe Galtier, I think we all thought, well, a little bit too much personality. Um, but with him leaving in the summer and now there's just there's just nothing there as a void and and... Paul George and Tef, I saw a lot of people making the jokes uh, last night on Twitter that as Senatim were losing again, perhaps he might try and um, pull out of the deal um, to join. But he's here now and he's going to have to be uh, the identity of this team because without him, they just don't have much. No pressure then. Um, let's talk about the, the our predictions then. And I'll start with you, Adam. What do you think in this one? I'm going to go 4-0 Nice. Sam? Uh, that's a pretty good sounding scoreline, but just to be different, I'll say 3-0 Nice. Yeah, it feels like it might be a bit of a hammering, especially the way Balotelli's playing. The lift that having Willan Cyprian back in the side, which is fantastic news, it is seemingly giving them Seri back in form as well. They, they may be starting to build a bit of momentum. Uh, this could be a hammering. I think it might be 5-0, to be fair. This, it's, it's a real worrying time for Saint-Etienne. Um, uh, to rest everything on Paul Jorge and Tep, um, let's hope he can <laughs> maybe pull them out of the mire after this one. Um, so we finish with the big match of the weekend, and it's an absolutely huge one. Uh, Leon PSG, uh, how else could would you like to finish your weekend, really? That's going to be a, a terrific match, really. Uh, Sam, focusing on the hosts, first of all, because obviously... Leon will be playing at home. It'd be a great opportunity for them to maybe put some sparks in the gears, at least, of Paris Saint-Germain at the moment. They they were pretty, they were a bit average at the weekend. They maybe sort of snuck, but well, they should have maybe got better there against Angers. Really, it's twice that they've struggled against them, but they got a really solid win against Gangob that could have been three or four on another day. Um, they're expecting Mariano Diaz to come back as well for this one. Are they gearing up for one big shot at the King? Yeah, I think this this game comes at a nice time for them. Um, Nabil Fakir, we I think you mentioned earlier, he's got 15 goals now this season, and I think it's five games in a row that he scored. Um, he looks excellent. Alwar scored again midweek. He's now he's matched Benzema's record through his first 26 games for the club, which is pretty impressive considering he's not even a forward. Um, Leon, yes, Diaz as well. He was on the bench. Uh, 
last night. This is a great time for them to to have a chance to knock off PSG. I mean, when they played earlier in the season, Leon were were quietly impressive, not not great, but it was uh, it was a great performance from Ndombele, um among others. And on another day, perhaps with a little more fortune from the referee, uh, Leon could have could have won that game. They ended up losing it two 0 two own goals, bit of a strange one, but. Um, Certainly, yeah, Lyon could have won that one. And they've proven, I think, that they are the second-best team in France. If anyone's going to knock off the King and, and actually beat them, not just kind of get lucky, they're the Lyon of the team to do it. And, and this is the game in which it'll happen. Mm, yeah, and that's the thing about this one, isn't it, Adam? That you'd think it's maybe the ideal time with with Lyon playing reasonably well, but Paris Saint-Germain have paid, come off their best performance of the season with a half-fit Neymar and Mbappe rested on the bench. Um, that would strike the fear of God in me, but <laughs> I'm wondering about this Leon team, whether they can rise to this occasion. Yeah, I think they will. I think um, they've put in, there's been some fantastic games. You're absolutely right, uh, Nathan, that, that there's been some, you know, it will be a really good game. And Leon at home to PSG have been, have been really competitive with them over the last couple of years. They, they lost last year, I seem to remember, but it was a really good game. Um, and they, I seem to remember the year that PSG won the title by 30 odd points the year before. They did beat them at at, the, at home, so at, at Lyon. So th- these are very competitive games. And yeah, if I was, if I, despite PSG's form, um, you know, they've got arguably bigger games to come. Obviously, you know, Champions League they're going to be seeing those as bigger games. But as far as it goes domestically at the moment, Lyon are probably the biggest test they'll have, and this is arguably the the toughest game. You know, they've got left remaining in in the league, having already played. You know, having had the classic at Marseille, so um, yeah, they, they. I think they'll be. They won't be. They'll be. They'll no be. You know, nervous about it or you know concerned. But you know, Leon. They'll be taking Leon very seriously. And you know, when you look at their team, it, it looks great. It's one of those teams when you see it written down and you know you, you see the graphics at the beginning of the game and they come up and it, it looks like a really really strong eleven. And and that won't be lost on PSG. So. Um, this will be a really exciting game, really competitive, and um, I, Leon, I, 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 Leon could quite easily get something if not win this game. So, um, a big test for PSG, and it's the kind of game that PSG need to prove themselves in, because it's all it's fine beating Dijon eight 0 at home. That's that they were brilliant, and that's great. But they are magnitude better than Dijon, and the games where they've really slipped up this year have been pressure games when they've run away to a team. Um, perhaps in the league, like at Strasbourg, where there's been a, a crowd on top of them and they've been put under pressure and they lost that game. Where they went to Bayern Munich and they were a little bit complacent, perhaps. Uh, but Jupp Heynckes, different kettle of fish than Ancelotti's by, uh, Bayern Munich. And they were pretty poor in that game and, and, and lost. And this is the type of game they need to prioritise if they're going to make an effect on, on the Champions League because it's, it's practice, if you like, for those bigger games when they go to Real Madrid and if they get past them, the, the, the later ties. So I, I would like to see Emery really prioritise this game and, and treat it like the big game that it is and, and prove that they, they can in these big pressurised games or when they're put under any sort of pressure, play as well as they did against Dijon because that is the PSG that will win the Champions League, not the one that went to Strasbourg or the one that went to Bayern Munich. This, that's what really makes this one interesting. Really, it's mm. it feels like still with with Marseille already having played at home against them and, and Monaco really in an indifferent sort of form, and again they've played at home against them. This feels like Paris Saint Germain's final 
big hurdle really against the big team at least anyway for this season and, and a big marker with those Champions League still not games not still coming up in it's sort of February Valentine's Day time they've still got a lot of time to to really focus on the league and, and take this kind of game it's going to be a really really good one I think I, I implore everyone to to take watch of this one because I, I do remember the game. as well it would be yeah and it was a fantastic game the the reverse one as well where obviously finished with two own goals a bit strangely but Leon was superb that night and it, mm. I, I just have that feeling they might be able to pull it off again um, Sam what's your prediction um, I really believe in this Leon team and I think they're going to pull it off. I think they're going to win 2-1. Adam? 3-2-all, I think. I'm going to go for 3-all. I, I think it's going to be a really terrific game. With, with Mbappe back, it's, I do fear that PSG might nick it back having him fresh as well, but I think it might be a really, really excellent one, to be fair. Um, that's all for this week. My thanks to Sam. Adam and everyone listening at home. Uh, join us for the main show on Monday. Uh, but for now, enjoy your weekend of football.